0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Spilko, along with just Sam Oshie today. Lauren couldn't make it. She has some scheduling issues going on, so we decided to record a little earlier today. So we got to talk about Maryland football, Sam and things haven't necessarily been going the way head coach Mike Loxley planned it. Maryland started off 4 and 3, I mean not didn't start off 4 and 3. They started off 4 and 0. was their best start since 2016, and all of a sudden they have three straight losses with the latest one coming to Minnesota on last Saturday in the form of a 34 to 16 loss. What are your initial takeaways from that game just from watching that game and covering it?
1: Yeah, so first, I mean they've obviously hit a rough patch. Three straight losses like you said, but Two of those have come against two of the best teams in the country in Iowa and Ohio State. Last week, coming off a bye week, two weeks to prepare, that was more of an embarrassing loss because that's a Minnesota team that isn't ranked. They've struggled this year. I mean, they're a good team. They're better than Maryland. Don't get me wrong. And It was on the road. They've struggled this year, and Maryland had two weeks to prepare, and they just did not execute on any level. Minnesota ran down their throats the entire game. I mean, they just – they've. Fifty-six carries for three hundred and twenty-six rushing yards. That's the most rushing yards Minnesota had all season, has had all season. And they just dominated Maryland on the ground, which allowed them to control time possession. So Maryland didn't even have a ton of possessions to work with. So that that was an embarrassing loss. And honestly, they've hit a rough patch. I mean, <laughs> Loxley joked about this week, like it's Halloween this week. He says he doesn't know he's gonna open the door for anyone because they're on a three-game losing streak. Which is a little funny, but it's it might be true because Maryland fans are not happy right now. But so they do have a decent opportunity this um Saturday against against an Indiana team that hasn't beat anyone in the Big Ten yet.
0: Right. And now Maryland is 0-3 on the road, 0-3 in their last three games, obviously. Gonna face a two-and-five Indiana team that's also on a three-game losing streak. But first, you know, let's go over some aspects of this Maryland game. And some of my initial takeaways were. You know, the first thing that when you're watching this game is just you couldn't really envision Maryland coming away with the win just by the way that the game started out with Talia tungo fumbling the ball on the first possession of the game. All of a sudden, you know, if they come out with a good offensive drive on that first third of the game, maybe the game is a little different. But at the end of the day, Maryland just flat out got beaten that game by what we thought was a more on-par team talent-wise that was closer to Maryland initially. However, I mean... The rushing attack for Minnesota, obviously, leaps and bounds ahead of whatever Maryland was able to put up defensively. Uh, Let's just start with the offensive end, though. Talia, 17 for 27, 189 yards, one meaningless touchdown late. You know, and we went to media on Tuesday, and Loxley was praising him. Loxley was like, I thought our quarterback was one of the best players on the field. I thought he was playing well. And then Talia came on about 45 minutes later. And said, you know, I didn't play good enough. I wasn't good enough on the field. I didn't perform the way that I needed to play. I was inaccurate. I was missing throws. And I think I'm leaning more towards Talia's side of that. You know, I mean, you got to look at all the weapons that Tonga Bailoa has, and obviously there's not many. But to be the starting quarterback and to finish with, and obviously there were a bunch of drop passes that goes along with the 10 completions that he had. But to finish with just 189 yards when you're down for most of the game you know I mean I just don't think that it was good enough despite him not having any interceptions I mean what what do you think about his overall performance because personally I didn't think that he even with the the people around him not playing well enough he also didn't perform to the level that Maryland needed him to
1: yeah well I don't take too much stock into what anyone says on that podium there and I I know you don't either but Loxley did what he should do which was defend his quarterback and Talia likes to hold himself accountable even when he's great like even earlier in the year when he was playing great football he likes to hold himself accountable so I expected those answers from both of them I agree with you to an extent that Talia misses some missed some throws and he hasn't been the superstar that he was through the first four games which again was against worse competition and only one big 10 team in there in Illinois um but I do think he was better than that Iowa loss. When we look at, like, that horrible performance against Iowa, five picks, he, has, he was better, not great against Ohio State, but better against, again, a really good Ohio State team. And then against Minnesota, I think he did a good job with just decision-making, which is the biggest thing for him. I mean, he, he hasn't made, like, explosive plays with his legs or with his arm, but I think that's also a product of his, a few of his weapons, and his number one receiver in Dante Dimas isn't there offensive line hasn't been great the last couple of weeks and then Deshaun uh, uh, jones who was their number three receiver he's also out for the year so i think that that's all a product like that he's trying to adjust to not having his top weapons but i do think like 17 for 27 like loxley said it and it was true that five of those passes were drops so that wasn't so much on him but i do agree like he's not winning them games right now like he's you're kind of look for him to keep him keep him out of game or keep him in games, but not so much like he's not going to make the big plays that he was earlier in the year. So I don't think it was a bad performance necessarily, but if this offense is going to explode and keep up with certain other offenses in the big 10, he needs to be that superstar that's, that's making the big plays and he hasn't been.
0: Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know if he will be in the remaining games of the season. I just don't see it really happening. I mean, the decision-making is just, is something that we've gone over for a lot of the season, but then again, it's just one aspect of his game. And you're right. I don't think he's using his legs enough. I don't think that he's making some of the throws that he made earlier in the season. That definitely the explosive plays have absolutely disappeared from this team. We haven't. I can't even remember the last.
1: But Dylan, do you think that's more of a product of like that's him playing worse, or like because he has a great arm? I mean, he is a cannon of an arm. Right. So do you think that's just the deep plays aren't there because of the lack of time he has in the pocket due to his offensive line, and then also his receiver is Dante Demas, which was this big play guy isn't there. And you think that's more him or just the product of, of what he's received last
0: year? Uh, I think it's just like, like a crazy accumulation of everything on the offense that has been going wrong. I mean, the offensive line, even you just mentioned, I mean, they were great earlier in the year. And now every time that Maryland snaps the ball, it seems that Talia is on the run. So it has to do with protection. It has to do with what options he has remaining. And And, and I will say that I do think it has to do more with the weapons that he has surrounding him. Because there's just not – a, t- I mean, Maryland, early in the season, we were talking about, oh, the wide receiver group, one of the most uh, the deep parts of this team, talented parts, but then you subtract Jayshon Jones and Dante Dimas from the equation, and all of a sudden you have one of the, the thinnest parts of this team. So I think it has to do a lot with what Talia was – I mean, he wasn't able to get the job done, but at the same time, you just look at his weapons and you say, how could he get the job done? And if you look at just about every other part of this offense, I mean – the running backs didn't have a good game. The tight ends were borderline invisible. And the wide receivers had a bunch of key critical jobs that probably could have pushed Maryland a little further down the field. So if you just look at it from a supporting cast standpoint, I don't think that Talia had enough. And while I, we would like to see him play a little better for Maryland, I think that there's blame to go just about on every single part of this offense.
1: Yeah, and then the last thing which we haven't really addressed yet is like the lack of running game really hasn't been there. I mean, Fleet Davis has been number one back, clearly, and he had a good start to the season, but he's just not a guy who's gonna who you can look to on first downs, gonna pick up four or five yards consistently. I mean, he just has he's a good pass catcher and he's solid, but they really haven't been able to get the running game go, game going, and that puts even more pressure on Talia, it makes his job even harder.
0: That's something that confused me as well during the Minnesota game. Only one catch for the entire running back group in that game, especially when we expected, I mean, I wrote something earlier before that week about how the running backs and the tight ends need to step up the passing game. And they didn't, they actually did the exact opposite. They were pretty much invisible in the passing game. I think it was just Challen Fama who just had one catch for negative two yards. I mean, I think Teon Fleet Davis had a, a big stretch where he had two plus catches a game dating back all the way to the beginning of the season or something like that. And for him to not come away with one catch in a game where, you're playing against the second best rush defense in the big 10 and you know you're not going to have an easy time moving ball on the ground I think that you know you got to point towards the play calling you got to point towards the quarterback not looking at his options I mean there's so many things that didn't go right for Maryland against Minnesota but I think that the inability to get some of these backs the ball out of the backfield in the passing game because you know I mean we knew that Minnesota's rushing defense was great I mean they were they're I mean, behind Wisconsin, who has a crazy rush defense of like sixty something yards allowed per game, but it's it was like a not so secret narrative that Minnesota's rushing game on offense and rushing game on defense were the team's two biggest strengths, and it seemed then Maryland did as little as it could to avoid those.
1: And that's and that's when Loxy said, and and he's right, where it's like you had two weeks to prepare. I mean, you're coming off the bye too, and to not address that properly and not be prepared for that, even if like their strengths might be better than your weaknesses. So there's not a lot you can do from a talent perspective. But even though, like you said, it like you, you, you need to be prepared for that. And for them not to be prepared for that with two weeks off and execute like that, I mean, that's that's a problem. And, and that, that's the rushing defense that, that's gotten them.
0: And then looking at the the wide receiver group, Rakim Jarrett, who presumably is the number one wide receiver now, easily the most talented out of the entire group. Four catches for 56 yards. And then the number two guy who actually had the most yards out of any Maryland wide receiver or pass catcher, Marcus Fleming, five catches for 62 yards, one touchdown. He had a, a big gain of 40 plus yards. Is he kind of rising as that number two guy in the yeah, I mean, Maryland wide receiver group?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking for someone. I mean, it could have been him, it could have been Brian Cobbs. I mean, you never knew who it could have been. And Marcus Fleming has been, seems like Talia's comfortable throwing him the ball. He's made some nice plays. So, I mean, and Rakim's getting more of that attention, and it's more difficult for him to just make explosive plays and get open, because he was that number two guy behind Dante, what the defense is looking at. Um, so, I mean, Rakim's really talented, but he hasn't been able to be that number one guy when he's receiving more attention, and maybe Tilly doesn't feel comfortable throwing into harder coverage like that. But for but Marcus Fleming has become a guy. He's talented. I mean, he's been there for a couple of years, and he's just he's clearly maybe more of a security blanket that Talia can rely on than some other guys, along with Jake. I mean, obviously, he's a tight end, but that's that seems a guy that Talia's comfortable with, too. But I think he's Talia is still more than halfway through the season with the injuries that have happened. He's still trying to test out, all right, who are these wide receivers? Play breaks down. Who do I feel comfortable throwing with? Who do I have good repertoire with? I mean, he's still trying to figure that out. As, is, as, as viewers and people covering the team, we're still trying to, too.
0: Yeah, and it's something about I don't know. It's something about the explosiveness, the lack of explosiveness of this offense is really getting to me because just watching that game early in the season, I mean, Maryland was taking shots in the first quarter, second quarter, just about you know, every drive, there was probably a shot taken. And then you look at this Minnesota game, it's almost like they played right into the hands of what Minnesota was trying to do. And then they waited until the second half to finally start taking some deep shots when you're down. I mean, it's just not winning football, playing into exactly what the defense wanted you to play into. And you look at Fleming, he had a long catch of 43 yards. Rockham Jarrett had a long catch of 38 yards. But, I mean, there's got to be more than that. There needs to be more explosive plays for this Maryland offense because we saw earlier in the season when Maryland's able to expand this offense, it's obviously it's going to become a lot better. But, I mean, the Terps just haven't been able to do that.
1: Yeah, and then the other thing is, like, when they do have to make – I mean, Talia didn't throw any interceptions against Minnesota, but when they do have to make those explosive plays and Talia has to do more – that's, I think, when the Maryland staff and offensive staff is worried about, all right, he's more prone to turnovers and trying to do something and make a big play. So maybe that's why they're limiting the offensive plays. I think it's also a personnel thing. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons, but, like, to, to against the – which we're going to talk about in a minute, against the good Indiana uh, defense, they're going to have to explode even more.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, besides the running backs and the wide receivers, the tight ends, I mean – they were they were projecting really well. I think Chig had uh, like 40 plus yards over the last two games. He had like 145 yards over the last three games before this one, and then he comes out with a two catch, 30 yard, uh, pretty pretty poor performance. And then Corey Deitches, who's been a good number two tight end on this team, he went catchless. So just a bunch of just so many different areas of this team, especially on offense, that's just hasn't been clicking since Jayshon Jones and Dante Dimas have gone out. I mean, is there a way for this passing offense to bounce back? I mean, just how worried are you about this offense in general?
1: I mean, I'm worried. Like, there's, yeah. I think everyone watching is worried. There's, there's no question. Like, they just haven't been as explosive as they should be. For, regardless of the competition, I'm not comparing it to the first four weeks when they were playing lesser opponents. Just mm-hmm. in general, I mean, this was supposed to be a great offense because of the weapons they've had and because of a good quarterback that people expected to take another leap in year two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's certainly reason to be worried. It's certainly a pass-heavy offense because of the lack of running game that we talked about. So when you rely on that passing game, and that's not even producing as much. I mean, there's certainly reason to be worried. I think um, Indiana might be, a, even though it's a good defense, their worst team, probably the worst team that they're going to face all year in the Big Ten, maybe Illinois is the other one that they beat. But after this, I mean, they have a brutal stretch with Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So if that pass offense is, is – and that offense in general is going to get going at all at any week, I think this, this will have to be the week. And it will be telling to see if they can, or else I think they're going to remain stale and, and um, remain pretty stagnant for the rest of the season.
0: It has 100% come down to like a now or never type situation for Maryland. You start off 4-0. and all, all is good with the team, and then he dropped three straight. Like, I wouldn't call Minnesota a blowout, but three straight very disappointing losses, in which you know, just Maryland just didn't get the job done over three consecutive weeks. And now you have, now you're looking at the schedule, and you said it. You got three ranked teams that are coming up. I mean, one of them is Penn State that just had that horrible, horrible nine <laughs> overtime loss to Illinois. I was watching the end of that one. Flip-flopping between the Maryland game. That was a, that was a fun one. That was a crazy. I hate that that rule in overtime with the uh, the two-point Brutal. conversion going back and forth. College, college football that overtime is the worst. Makes no sense. Five in football. Yeah, I know. But it, it, at that point, I just wanted the game to end. But, exactly. But, but, I mean, obviously, Penn State losing to an Illinois team is big that Maryland has beaten earlier in the season. But those three offenses, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, They're all ranked in the top half of the Big Ten in overall offensive yardage, passing offense, uh, rushing offense, you know, you name it. It's going to be a tough matchup for Maryland moving forward. And and, and on the defensive side of the ball, those teams are fairly strong as well. And, I mean, they're well-rounded teams. And if you look at the schedule, there's really only two games that Maryland has a a very realistic shot of winning, and that's this Indiana game and then the Rutgers game at the end of the season to try to get to that six-win benchmark. But, you know, I think the question becomes – and this question I was just thinking of before, I mean, will this offense break 24 points again this season in a single game? I think that, like, maybe. I don't, I don't think so. The way that we've seen – we just saw them playing against Minnesota, who had a fairly bad pass defense, but a good rush defense. I mean, Maryland just didn't do enough to score any points, and they scored one meaningless touchdown late. But besides that, there wasn't much going on. So I don't know. If playing these these better teams, they can score, like, 24, 30 points again. I just don't think it's realistic with the weapons they have now. You should hope they, they can score at least 24 if they want to win more, one more game this yeah. season against
1: an Indiana team that's really struggling on offense. The worst in the Big Ten, actually. But, I mean, this is – this is as we just get into this Indiana game, I mean, it's a must win. Like There's no more important game on their schedule as of so far than this Indiana game. Their expectation of going to the year – Maybe, maybe it was all over, people, but like, it would have been a successful season if they can get to that six-win benchmark and get a bowl game. That's still on the table, but it's vir- there's virtually no chance they can do that unless they beat Indiana this week. So it really comes down to that. So they can, if they can beat Indiana this week, they'll be at five wins. They need one more to get to that six-win benchmark and finish season six and six. They unless there's some miraculous upset, which happens, it happened with Illinois and Illinois and Penn State last week. So it certainly happened in college football and in the Big Ten. No one has any expectation they're going to beat Michigan State, Michigan, or Penn State. So then, if they can get to that um, beat Indiana this weekend, they can go to that last game of the year at that five and whatever they're going to be five and six, I guess they would be, and try to win that last game against Rutgers, and that would be the, the determinant if they get to that six-win benchmark, and can um, be bowl eligible. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but it certainly, certainly comes down to this weekend's Indiana. If they don't, it feels like it's a lost season and the season's over, and they might, they might start 4-0 and, and lose out, which would be pretty embarrassing considering the expectation coming into the year and the expectation after they were 4-0. So who knows, who knows what's going to happen, but this is certainly a must-win against Indiana at yeah. home, and it's homecoming.
0: And and homecoming. Can't forget about the homecoming. But we know no, no. that coming into this season, just the expectations of not – I wouldn't say the expectations were like a top finish in the Big Ten. I think the expectations were more like let's compete let's compete with the some of the big boys in the big 10 and that's exactly what hasn't happened this year it's been quite the opposite actually
1: yeah and- you just look, real quick you just look to like see improvement from year to year last year was obviously it was loxley's second year some people call it like a half of the year yeah. and it was covid and i and i get throwing that year out the window but well, they won two uh, games in the big 10 last year i mean if they can't match that at least this year i mean that's that's where's the improvement from from year to year so you're really looking for that improvement in the Big Ten. And so this, this, this season, you want to make that jump. But we'll see.
0: And, so just, and then we haven't even looked at the defense yet after this Minnesota game. I mean, what more could you say about Minnesota's rushing offense? 56 rushes, 326 yards, good enough for 5.8 yards per carry. Four different rushing touchdown scores. At the end of the day, we already talked about this, you're coming into the game – preparing for minnesota to have a heavy rush attack they come out with a heavy rush attack and they execute almost perfectly in pj flex offense i mean who's who's more to blame here is it the players is it the coaches because i'm leaning towards the overall preparation for the game yeah
1: i mean the coach locksley took the blame as the coaching staff he said i need to be more held more accountable the entire team needs to be held more accountable everyone needs to look themselves in the mirror it's just this defense is they're a little banged up but they're also just weak in certain points. I mean, we saw against Ohio State, Ja'Cory Bennett and Kenny Bennett were out. So they took, Ohio State's a pass-heavy offense, loves to throw the ball to CJ Stroud, and they just took advantage completely of Maryland's depleted secondary, threw the ball all over them. Fast forward two weeks, Minnesota, they're a team that likes to pound the ball, they don't care, they'll line up extra offensive linemen, and they just like to run the ball and kill the clock. And that's exactly what they did. And they just exposed Maryland's rush defense. So Maryland has a lot of weak weaknesses all over the defensive side of the ball. And teams are just playing to the strengths and exposing them. And so, I mean, whose whose fault is it more? I mean, I, don't, I just don't think Maryland has the personnel from a rush defense perspective to keep up with teams that love to pound the rock and put extra, extra offensive line. Um, Loxley was he was taking saying like he was um, taking some blame, saying the edge rushers. It's really the edge rushing that was the problem, and we didn't properly prepare and add extra guys because they play three four, so they didn't add extra guys to, to, to up front and maybe stop that. So I mean, it, I think there's blame that needs to go all around, but teams are just exposing this defense, this defensive weaknesses all over.
0: Right, and now Maryland, after the loss, they now stand at four and three. Only five games left, kind of crazy. Three game, three home games remaining, two road games. And now coming up, homecoming game, Indiana, Indiana match. Indiana's 2-5. and five. They've only lost to ranked teams this season. And it's kind of hard to blame them for their record. I mean, they've played a lot of tough teams. They lost to number then number 18, Iowa, in the opener. They beat I- Idaho. They then lost to number 8, Cincinnati. They beat Western Kentucky, lost to number 4, Penn State, lost to number 10, Michigan State, then lost to number 5, Ohio State. So, I mean, it's, it's similar to Maryland in which they're not, they haven't been able to compete with some of these, uh, these top teams. They were able to compete against Michigan State. They only lost by five. But, I mean, their last game against Ohio State, they lost 54-7. to I wouldn't necessarily call that a close one. But, I mean, their, their offense has really struggled. They rank dead last in offense and yards per game. They're tied for last for total touchdowns, and they have a ton of concerns in the quarterback room. Michael Penix, Jr., and Jack Tuttle are both hurt. Panix has been out since early October. I want to say October 2nd with an AC joint sprain. And Tuttle, he left last game against Ohio State, which left Don, true freshman Donovan McCauley, who went one for six against Ohio State. And initially when I was looking at Maryland's uh, line, I think it's, what is it, four and a half? I think it, it's three and a half, four, around Three and a half, okay, around that field goal, just, just beyond that range for the spread and Maryland's favored. And a big reason as to why is because Loxley said during the presser, he expects number zero freshman, true freshman Donovan McCauley to be the quarterback for Indiana. And we mentioned before about how Minnesota wanted to play to its strengths and it did. And it went right to the ground game. And this Indiana offense, on the other hand, doesn't have many strengths. I mean, their offense just in general, isn't the strong part of this team. So are we expecting just Indiana to come into this game saying, hey, here's what Minnesota did. We're going to try to emulate that ex- same exact thing because I don't see why not.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they should. They, they, I don't, it would be really not smart of them to put the ball in their true freshman quarterback's hand, who's their third string. I mean, they didn't do that against Ohio State last week. They they, they had no business um, putting the ball in his hands, and they they knew not to. So I don't expect them to do that. And they look at the film from last week from Maryland, and they're like, this team pounded the ball all over. Like this team just ran the ball all over Maryland. They added extra linemen up front, and they just ran down their throats and killed the clock and killed time of possession. So I think that's Indiana's game plan. They don't have the rushing attack or the offensive line prowess that Minnesota has, so I don't know if they'll do it as successfully. But I do think they're, that's that's going to be their game plan. And it's, it's this Indiana offense is really bad. I mean, the worst in the Big Ten. A lot of that's because of the unknown quarterback situation that's been there all year and just starting a true freshman now. So I really expect this to be a slugfest. If there's any time, if there's any moment where this Maryland defense that struggled in the run rush defense, and the pass defense, if there's, any, if there's a time for this defense to start clicking and maybe gain some confidence back, this is going to be the week to do it against a really bad offense. If they can't stop Indiana's offense, then they're not going to stop anybody. So, yeah. so I, mean, that, that, I mean, that's what I'm looking for is just how this defense responds to a really poor Indiana offense.
0: And this Maryland defense is starting to get a little healthier. You got Brandon Jennings who played a few snaps against Minnesota coming back. You had Ja'Korian Bennett, who I think he was the one that had that horrendous pass interference, defensive pass interference play at the beginning of the game, if you remember that one. But, yeah, I mean, this, and the defense is getting healthier, which is a good sign, obviously. Just injuries all around the roster. But, I mean, the defense was heavily affected. Kenny Bennett didn't play last game, I believe. And I think I, – I don't remember if Loxley mentioned him during the presser, but I think he's slowly getting on the mend as well. But, obviously, getting Brandon Jennings to full health is one of the biggest Maryland concerns on defense. But, overall, just looking at Indiana, I think that we should expect another uh, heavy ground game for them. I think they're going to try to pound the ball against Maryland. I, I mean – If you just look at what Minnesota was able to do, I don't see why not you go for that as well. I think with obviously a true freshman who went one for six against Ohio State in his short appearance is uh, not going to get to throw the ball more than 15, 16, 17 times during the game. And it's really just going to come down to whichever defense is able to really make stops and make turnovers. And you said it. I mean, if there's any game for Maryland's defense to bounce back, it's it need it doesn't has to be this one, it needs to be this one. Because they're not gonna be stopping Michigan State's offense. They're gonna have a tough time stopping Penn State and Michigan's offense especially. And then you have a Rutgers game, which at the end of the day might not really matter if Maryland's going into that game with a four and seven record. So it's just I mean, it's truly now or never for this defense. And if I had to predict if this is the game that Maryland gives up less than thirty points for the first time, I would say I think so. <laughs>
1: I yeah, would say if they, can't, if they give up more than 30 points, number yeah. one, they're not winning the game. And number two, the season's True. a lost cause.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think that, I mean, everything points to this defense having a bounce back game against one of the best defense, one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten, if not the worst offense of the Big Ten. But from what we've seen over the last three weeks, I mean, Maryland is just so beatable on defense from just about everywhere. If you run the ball, Maryland has a tough time tackling. If you're throwing the ball, the secondary has definitely taken a step down over the course of the season. And penalties continue to be the, the raging conversation that we keep bringing up over and over and over again. And this, I, I don't have the exact penalty statistics on me right now, but I mean, this team is averaging like seven or eight penalties a game. And I would say a lot of them are just careless personal fouls. I can't recall how many times I've seen just pointless personal fouls called this season on guys and especially on Maryland's side. And it's just really put a dent in what they've been able to do. And you can talk about being disciplined as many times as you want, but at the end of the day, seven penalties per game is not a winning football team. And if you're going to do that against a team like Indiana, a team that you can beat and a team that doesn't, that is, isn't necessarily an elite team, you know, I mean, those are the, those, that's what usually makes the difference. So I think at the end of the day, um, Maryland needs this one. They need to be disciplined. Obviously, the defense needs to step up. And I think it's just about every single part of their game needs to step up overall. So I think that we can get into yeah. – oh, go ahead. You're great. But I have to look at the
1: offense. Like This is should be a bounce-back – not a bounce-back opportunity, because I'm not saying Tilly has been bad but I do think this is an opportunity for them to put up more points than they have. Chig had, he had um, a couple catches last game. I think two, yeah, two catches for 30 yards last game. I think they can get the tight ends more involved. Maybe this is an opportunity to, to establish the run game early and then let Talia make plays and look for more explosive plays down the field, especially at home. So I, I like all around, I mean, this is a good test and an even test for Maryland. And I think that's represented in the, the spread. I mean, it's three and a half, I think we said it was. And that's pretty much, and that's because Maryland's, you get three points for being at home, you presume. So that's pretty much Vegas saying this is an even matchup against two of the worst teams in the big 10. It's going to be a slugfest. Let's see who wins it. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think now it's time for our predictions and I have, I haven't really given much thought to what I think this game is going to be, but from everything that we've seen so far, just by looking at how this defense responded to their injuries just by looking at how this offense has responded to the the many injuries that they've suffered i just don't know if they're going to be able to get the job done I, I just it just smells like an upset game in college park despite it being homecoming despite once again there being some level of hype surrounding this game for maryland it's a must it's truly a must-win game for them whether they like to admit it or not and I'm just entirely not sure, but all I know is that it's it's got to be a low scoring game right i mean there's there's everything's pointing towards that, so I think i'm gonna go with oh god um twenty seven twenty one i'll say indiana i just i just can't see Maryland winning this game from everything that we've seen so far, and nothing nothing over these last three weeks has convinced me that Maryland is truly capable of a full-on bounce back i mean they do have the players to do it but at the end of the day it's the product that you put out on the field and what we've seen so far over these last three weeks is an injury-ridden defense and a pretty inefficient offense so i think those two facets of this team combined are just gonna it just screams another letdown that's just what i think
1: yeah I, i don't Blame me for thinking that way. I really it's really hard. I, mean, I I haven't put no thought into it, but it's a really hard game to predict. Um, I think they're very evenly matched teams. And I agree it's going to be low scoring. I, I don't like I do think there is hype around this game in the sense that from the team, like Maryland understands this really is a must win. Like we want to end this 3 game losing streak. We don't want to move to 500 for our bold hopes and the six game benchmark. We really want six win benchmark. We really need this game. And it also is homecoming. I don't know how much that plays into it. The 2001 ACC championship team will be honored. and Ralph Friedgen, the former coach here, he'll be honored. It's Loxley's friend he was talking about. I don't know how much that plays a role, in it, role with it, but alumni being back, maybe it does. I, I don't think Indiana's as bad as their record is. I mean, they haven't won a game in the Big Ten. Um, so it's, it's a hard game to predict. I think I'm going to be right there with you. Indiana in an upset, 24-21 Indiana. But this this could go either way. I really think it's going to be close and come down to, like, a field goal lead.
0: Yeah, I think it, so. All right, we're both on Indiana. Um, Maryland football, 4-3, and three, heading into their eighth game of the season, second-to-last home game. And we will get back to you guys next week with a recap of that. But first, you know, let's spend, like, 10 minutes or so talking about This Maryland men's basketball team, because that's a team that's projecting. Something exciting to talk about. Something exciting. Something very exciting to talk about. Maryland men's basketball. The season is rapidly approaching. They have a November 5th exhibition against uh, Fayetteville State and the November 9th game, which is the 2021-22 season opener against Quinnipiac. That'll be in College Park. So Maryland coming into the season with a number 21 ranking from AP let's just talk about some things we're excited for. And I think it's just by looking at the roster, I mean, who's a player that you were coming into the season, Maryland, obviously ton of expectations, two big transfers, and a bunch of returning players. Just who are you most excited about to watch the season and to, to see how they perform?
1: One player is really hard to pick. Um, I would say I'm really most excited to, I think it's a really put a well put together roster by Turgeon in the use of his recruits and guys he have been here for a few years and the transfer portal portal. I mean, I'm excited to see just how this roster clicks together. Like it might be weird to say, but I think that's Russell. I'm excited to see because he has been had to be a scorer and he's very capable of scoring at all, all three levels of the court at Rhode Island, but now he can step back and score when he needs to, but also be a distributor and love. He loves to push the ball, ball in transition. I think it's going to be a high, a fast, high paced, scoring team that we really hadn't seen in a couple of years from Maryland because they've had some stagnant offenses, particularly last year. So I'm excited to see Fats, see how distributes the ball. Um, last year, his numbers dropped a little bit because it was, he was injured all year. He admitted to he really didn't practice all year, and he just was going into games blindly because, because of injuries that he had. So that's why his shooting numbers dipped and his scoring numbers overall dipped. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can get those shooting numbers back to, to where they can be, where he can be a legitimate threat from uh, three-point range but i there's like Kudus wahab it's a traditional center now traditional point guard with fats and then Eric ayal was just named to the all uh, big 10 preseason team which not surprisingly he made it but i think i was a little surprised that he made it and dante scott didn't because i look at dante scott and i think he's the best player on this team in terms of everything that he brings to the table great rebounder three level score can back people down the post um, mid post hit up pull up jumpers he had a great three-point shooting percentage last year and he can switch and defend multiple positions whether it's the post he had to last year when he was playing out of position at center or he can switch out into guards and and guard them and run around with them on the perimeter for a little bit so I think Dante Scott's the most complete player on this team and probably the overall best I do think Eric Al is the best scorer on the team Um, and then they're deep I mean they have James Graham and Julian Reese James Graham isn't technically a freshman but he's pretty much a freshman and and Julian Reese um is a is a freshman so they're they're, going to be deep and it's going to be exciting to see how this roster gets put together how they play and I mean we're a couple weeks away from the season at this
0: point should be a good one and just looking at that backcourt I mean what Maryland was able to do last year uh, what was their record 17 and 14 last season so I mean even with that backcourt with Ayala leading it I mean, now if you add, when you add Fats Russell, Russell into the equation, it creates just such, such a, mix, a mismatch in, in that backcourt. Fats Russell at 5'11", more of a playmaker, and then Ayala, more of a, a true kind of three-level scorer from just about anywhere on the court. I mean, he's, it's going to be just such a nightmare for whoever Maryland's playing. I mean, and then you look at the rest of the lineup, it's all filled out. You got Dante Scott, Kudus Wahab, and uh, Hakeem Hart taking a step up. And you know, unpalpable palpable buzz that he's grown another six inches. So, obviously, oh, yes, there's always. I don't know if he's
1: grew, how many inches he's grown, but we both can confirm he does look bigger. I mean, Big. said he looked of 15 pounds of muscle.
0: It's kind of hard to believe sometimes, but like it's it's significant, even when you're looking from afar. that he's put on muscle. And I, I think he's going to be my most exciting player to watch because he's immediately going to have to step into a huge role, filling in a spot at the small forward position for. Eric, uh, for, Eric uh, for Aaron Wiggins, so because he's off to the NBA, obviously, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And obviously, we're all thinking about how good this Maryland team could have been if Wiggins stayed, because that would have made Hakeem Hart a, a sixth man, technically, and that would have been really unreal for this Maryland team. However, it is what it is. Maryland's still coming in with a really strong team, but I think Hakeem Hart has got to be that player that's going to be, once I think he was a big X factor last year, and he's going to be in the same position this year. He's got to fill in. For the production that Wiggins provided, and now Hakeem Hart listed at 205. he's now a junior. I mean, he's got to take a big step forward. He's got to average, or f- at least thirteen points a game this year. If if you think about it, he's got to just fill in that production. And I think he's going to be a really fun player to watch. I think yeah, with few- him, the other, yeah.
1: with him, real quick, the other thing is, it's also like he's changed his shot. Like he's but he's was coming in as like a known three point shooter. He was a little bit streaky. He has been in his first two years here. Um he's really changed the mechanic, mechanical adjustments with his shot. I mean, he's not, like, pushing the ball as much. It's more fluid follow-through and release. So, I mean, we'll see if that translates to the game, but that's encouraging too.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I was just about to mention is his, his shooting is definitely going to have to take a step forward. He, does, he did have that weird kind of release uh, last year, and it's, it has been improving noticeably, in his three-point game especially was much better last year. So he's obviously going to have to take a step forward for this Maryland team, and then obviously the Big Ten, such a talented conference. Once again, you got Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State all ranked ahead of Maryland. So once again, it's going to be a tough season for the Terrapins in conference play. But you know we love our predictions, so let's just make a way too early prediction because why that? Why not? So if you had to if you had to guess right now, if you're looking in March, in or if Maryland makes it to early April you know what is kind of the floor for this maryland team and what's the ceiling because the ceiling for them i think that it's it's a top 10 team i think this team could if let's say they start winning their games and they start with uh I, they always start with some eight and zero, and then the ranking always gets higher because they play the, the bad non-conference, you know non-conference schedule it, it happens every year so it's probably going to happen again and uh, i think they. If they start beating some of the better Big Ten teams, maybe make an upset or two, I think their ceiling is around the seven or eight spot. I think that's what they could potentially go to if everything goes right. Then if everything goes poorly, I mean, they're already just at the, the tail end of the rankings. It wouldn't be shocking to see them fall out. But I think that there's a different vibe with this team so far. And I think that working towards... Uh, a third, fourth, or fifth seed is probably the goal for this team. I would say a, a four seed would be fitting for them. So I think at the end of the day, if you're just looking at the roster on paper, because we, I mean, we haven't even seen them play uh, a real team in person yet. But if you're just looking at it on paper, I think that a four seed is realistic.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably what are exactly the prediction. I would say if I had to guess. I mean, it's not even the end of October yet. And we're guessing what seed they're gonna be in March, but if I did, if I did have to we love our predictions. But if I did have to guess, I would probably be right there with you as a four seed in the tournament. I think their ceiling is a top ten team in the country and probably top three team in the Big Ten. I think Purdue and Michigan are on a tier of their own and top of the Big Ten. I think that second tier Maryland's right there with them, with with Ohio State, Illinois, and um and Indiana would put in there too. So I think it would it's not. It's certainly plausible for Maryland to be a three seed in the Big Ten and a four seed in the tournament, top ten or twelve team in the country. I think, I mean, the absolute floor is getting to the Big Ten tournament and winning a game. I mean, with if you, if when you, when you put their expectations and you put into perspective, last year was a significantly worse roster that exceeded expectations. People thought might not even make the tournament, but they did and they won a game. So when you when you look at that and Put that as your base level for a floor maryland should certainly exceed their expectations or exceed their performance from last year so the very floor is getting to the tournament winning big game like is it crazy to say like i'm not gonna predict this team going to the final four by any means but is it crazy to say that that they could make uh, like as a four seed in the tournament a dark horse a little bit um final four run like i don't think that's that crazy given the depth of this team the talent and how well this roster is put together I'm not going to predict that, but I think that's certainly a ceiling tip.
0: Yeah. So a lot of expectations for this Maryland team just before the season. Season starts November 5th, again, that exhibition game that I already mentioned, and then starts off November 9th. So it's really coming close, and it'll be Maryland football and Maryland men's and women's basketball all playing at the same time. It's a really exciting time for Maryland fans. And we're all looking forward to covering those games. So I think that'll do it for this edition of the Testudo Times podcast. Another Wednesday up and another Wednesday down. We'll be back next Wednesday talking about the Maryland game against Indiana. And we'll also be much closer to the men's and women's basketball season. I think we're going to try to preview that women's basketball season next week. But we will see and we will get back to you next Wednesday. So thank you so much for listening to this Testudo Times podcast. And we'll see you next week.